desire, Father, would be what you have desired for. Father, that we would truly hear your heartbeat. Father, forgive us for the times that we have, we have missed it. When we have thought something else other than what you would want us to be about. Oh, Lord, would you do something in us? A fresh work. A fresh pouring of your spirit. Father, would you pour your spirit out upon us? Would you allow us, Lord, to be empowered by your Holy Spirit? Lord, we would be effective in these days with a message of hope and life and grace. I pray, Lord, that we would be urgent. Oh, Lord, place within us, Father, a drive, a motivation to see this world around us know you. For your kingdom. For your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you as you take your seats this morning. That new song, if we could sing that at the end of the service. Good morning. There is kids' church this morning. Kids, you are dismissed to go. May God bless you as you go and, and learn at your level of understanding. You know, when some of you move from here to there to there, it's confusing. You know, it's a, you know, like some people you can just count on. They just sit in the same spot. 
Yeah. Some of you maybe need to move a little bit. It's okay. You know, because it's it kind of changes it up for me. You know, so if you if don't all do it at the same Sunday though. You know, you want to confuse me if you say, you know what, next week let's all sit somewhere different. You're gonna shock this guy. I appreciated Pastor Tim's preaching last week. It uh, not only did I appreciate the message, but also having him preach. We were able to go to see my mother uh, last weekend. She lives in Prince Albert, and uh, she had turned 75, and so we wanted to go and be there with her. Her health is not that great, and I suspect that's where my aunt is today. So if somebody who's sitting over here could interject from time to time, it makes me feel like she's here. Um, but yeah, she's probably visiting my mother this weekend. At least that's what the plan was. But yeah, so thank you, Pastor Tim. It was a good word, and, and it was nice to be able to go into uh, see my mother, to spend some time with her. Again, I appreciate your prayers. Her health is, is uh, not doing so great. You can really notice the change in a year. And yeah, it's important. This morning we're going to continue on in our series is a call to grow. And I, I don't know about you, in our house I'm not the one who plants things. That's not my forte. Um, but there are things growing in our house already. You know, uh, Pastor Catherine's got this knack for when we eat celery, saving the remainder of it and throwing it in some water and seeing if we can grow more celery. I don't know. It's $1.97. But there's things growing. There's plants that grow in our house that, like, I don't know how these things live. If, you, if, if my wife and daughter were gone for a month, I don't know what to do with plants. You know, I don't know if they would keep growing, not grow. I got a plant in my office, and I said to Pastor Catherine, I said, I think this thing's a cactus. She says, why? I said, because it's still alive, and I haven't watered it in about a few months. She goes, no, Dad, it's not a cactus. Okay. I'm learning. You can teach things still. If you are my age or are a little bit younger, or even a little bit older, you can still learn some things. Even if you are quite a bit older than me, you can still learn things. But I learned this early on. What you plant, you, you reap, right? I mean, I didn't, in, my parents had gardens when we were kids. Not just one, we had gardens, plural. And we would, they would plant like crazy. Like, who are we planting for? They would, you know, be proudful. We have a hundred and some hills of potatoes. Or, like, what, what are we going to do with all this? And I would, oh, it used to bother me. You know, you're 13 years old. You're going out there because she would drop you off, and you'd have to weed the garden. And then she would give it away to my cousins, and they didn't do any of the work. You know, they didn't come get their hands dirty. They didn't sit out in the hot sun weeding gardens. And 
But I understood that what you plant is what you're going to get. I also then at that point learned the difference between weeds and plants. But what you plant, you reap. Well, how are you doing with the reaping? How are you doing with what is coming from what you've planted? Hmm. You're saying, I've only reaped some complaining and some criticism. I've only reaped some bitterness and some anger. I've only reaped some gossip and some, maybe that's what you planted. Oh, getting tough already. As we look at James chapter 3, we're going to look at from verses the 13 to 18. So the latter part of James chapter 3. I've, not many people in our world want to be thought of as fools. You ever notice that? Nobody likes being thought of as a fool. Unless you're like a comedian or a professional jester, then you're saying, that's my job. But nobody, nobody likes to be just saying, you know, you're a fool. You ever say that to someone? Or they're just foolish. Nobody Nobody really likes to be thought of as a fool. In our hearts, in your heart, in the depth of my heart, we all want to be thought of as people of wisdom. We all want to be thought of as wise. I remember when gray hair started coming onto my head. I was worried, then somebody reminded me that gray hair is a sign of wisdom. And I'm like, no, it's not. Because I know many gray-haired people that are not very wise. You may be chuckling, but that's true. They may have life experiences, but there's things that they do that I'm like, I don't know. I just don't know. We all want to be thought of as wise. We all want to be perceived as walking in wisdom. Surely, if, if God's word is to be taken seriously at all, this is a good goal to set. God, would you help us to be wise in the things of you? In Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 16, it says, How much better to get wisdom than gold? To get understanding is to be chosen rather than silver. Wow. Better to get wisdom than it is to get gold. We live in a world that today that is driving for possession of things. And God's word would tell us it's better to get wisdom than to get gold. It's better to have wisdom than the things of this earth. It's better to have understanding than riches. Hmm. In James chapter 1, verse 5, it says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives it generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. Seems pretty simple, doesn't it? Hey, God, I need wisdom. There you go. Is that all there is to it? 
Is that, is that just it? God, I need wisdom. Just download it to me. Because there's times where I don't make wise choices. Am I the only one? There's times where we don't make wise choices. And God's word says if, if we just need wisdom, if I lack it, God just gives it to me generously. We struggle with that, don't we? Well, I asked him for wisdom. It all seems so simple. Just ask God and receive wisdom. If that was the case, then there shouldn't be a foolish Christian on this earth. True, right? And we all know that there are foolish Christians. So how was wisdom given? Like, how do we get it? Does God give wisdom to me, to you and me, the way he gives patience? He says, well, you want, you prayed for patience? Let me give you opportunities to learn patience. Is, that, is it that same way? Or, or courage? Let me give you the strength to be courageous. Perhaps he grows wisdom in my life like he grows faith. Putting me in situations where I learn to wait and to trust, to resist doubt and indifference. It's amazing to see the way James speaks of wisdom and faith almost in the same ways, in the same terms. He knows how quickly those two words, faith and wisdom, can be just come churchy words. They can just become empty terminology. We can say, yeah, I have faith. And you heard Pastor Tim's message last week that you say you have faith, but faith without works is dead. So there has to be an indicator that you actually have faith. Because we can throw out these churchy words of, well, I'm a person of faith, and do nothing about it. The same is true with wisdom. We can say, well, I have wisdom because I asked for it and I downloaded it. No, no, no. There must be a way that wisdom is shown. There must be a way in which wisdom actually comes to life. You know, those words can become big words and they're used in, we use them in slogans with little meaning to them anymore. A lot of words in our scriptures have lost their meaning. You know, we say, well, I'm a person of faith. Okay. I'm a person with, with godly wisdom. You can say all kinds of things, but that doesn't make it so. You see, wisdom and faith are alike in this sense. They're such big, general, common terms that they can mean almost whatever you want them to mean. As long as you're sincere and pious when you speak of them. To understand faith at all is to recognize it isn't something you talk about. You see, if all you tell me is that you are a person of faith, but it is never lived out, that's simply words. Because faith needs to be lived out. The same is true with wisdom. It's something that has to be shown. It's something that should come from our lives. 
in James chapter 3 and verse 13, who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. Who's wise? Let me see it. Don't just tell me. And let me see it. And let me see it with meekness. You see, there are works of faith and there are works of wisdom. Neither one is manifested in correct theology, though theology is very important. Faith and wisdom, they leave footprints. There should be a mark that something is different. There should be a sign that something has changed. You say you're a person of faith, then faith should be lived out. You say you're a wise person, then there should be marks of faith, marks of wisdom. There are ways when we leave those footprints for somebody else to follow Christ because they look at our lives and they say, yeah, that person is wise. And they're not just wise because they've got gray hair. They're wise because they actually follow Christ. And it's evident. This is where James is coming from when he expands this subject of living in, in the wisdom of God. So what is what do works of wisdom look like? Again, in verse 13, it says, Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. Now, this answer doesn't seem to respond to this question. Godly wisdom, James says, is always meek wisdom. It always comes from the meek, from being humble. You see, if you have to tell me, let me tell you how wise I am. Well, I'm sorry, you're not. Because the moment that you have to puff yourself up, you're like putting a show on, and that's like, I don't need that. I need some wisdom. I need some, something that comes with humbleness. I need something that says, let me show you. Let me tell you what God's word says. Let me point you to the heavenly father, not to me. In James chapter 1 and verses 19 to 21. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. There, therefore, put away all filthiness and rampart, rampart wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. To be wise, I must become wise. To walk in wisdom, I must receive wisdom. And wisdom comes from God. There's a God-givenness to wisdom. You know, we use these phrases sometimes. Because, and again, I'm not trying to 
slight anybody who has gray hair like me. But wisdom isn't just because you have gray hair. We can see some young people sometimes when we say, they are wise beyond their years, right? So that tells me that it's not about the color of your hair, or even if you have some. It has to be with what God has imparted. It has to be with what God has instilled, what God has placed in there. We can all accumulate knowledge. We can all have knowledge. We can grow in our expertise in business or sports or management. We can all become good at what we do, of course. And we don't need God directly for any of that. But wisdom, which James will begin to define in just a minute, only comes from God. You can be knowledgeable, and that doesn't make you wise. Wisdom only comes from God. Sometimes we put ourselves down and we say, well, I'm not very smart, or I'm not very wise. Wisdom comes from God. It doesn't come from, from books. It doesn't come from sitting in a class, going to a seminar. It doesn't come from going to a weekend, anything. It comes from God. We all can gain knowledge. And we have knowledge to share. But wisdom... Wisdom only can come from him. James says we're to ask God for wisdom, and he will give it. But how does he give it? I mean, I would like to know that sometimes, wouldn't you? It's like, God, I need wisdom. Okay, now how am I going to get this? How do I get this wisdom? Gives it through his word. Through his word. Through his scripture. That's why you need to be students of the Word of God. That's why you need to read the Bible. Because that's how God will give you wisdom. That's where you'll gain godly wisdom from, is from the Word of God. He reveals His mind to us in this way through His Word. We say, God, I want to know you. I want to know how to be wise in you. Read the Word of God. Be a student of Scripture. We live in a day and an age when I believe we're becoming more and more biblically illiterate. When we're happy just to quote what somebody says as opposed to saying, you know what, this is what the Word of God says. There are some learned people out there, 100% true. But I want to hear God. I want to hear what God says on this. I don't, there are some good speakers I don't want to hear what that speaker has to say. I want to hear what God has to say. He needs to be our source. Yes? And why? Because he's unchanging. God doesn't get up one day and say, well, let me change my mind on this. Well, I've had a different thought. You know, I sat down with some friends and I see it differently. No, he doesn't. God doesn't change his mind. He doesn't come up with a different way of seeing things. Popular speakers of our day can all do that. They can say, well, you know, I've had a different revelation. God doesn't do that. God doesn't say, well, 
oh, you know, I ate some pizza late last night, and mm, I got it differently now. No, God doesn't change his mind. I want what God has to say. In James chapter 1, verse 21, it says, Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampart wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your soul. James says, wisdom is revealed in my life through the works, uh, my life, though my works done, or through my works that are done in meekness. Wisdom comes from God and to only those who receive his word with a humble, quiet, and submissive spirit. To be wise, I must become wise. To become wise, I must be meek before God's word. James isn't just writing about meekness before God and humbling ourselves and saying, God, you know everything and I need to know. But he's saying meekness and how we deal with others. You ever meet these people that know everything? Yeah. If your car breaks down, don't call me. Because I'm just going to come and look under the hood with you just like you're looking at it. Like I'm not the person you want there. If you have a limb that is broken, I can pray. But I might try to jiggle your leg or pull it back into place. But I'm definitely not the guy. If you have an open wound and there's something you know, that shouldn't be coming out of your body, don't call me. Because I'm just going to come and look and probably poke my finger and grab some duct tape or something. But I'm not the guy. But there are people in this world that have the answer for everything. I'm like, oh my goodness. Like, where were you 20 years ago or 10 years ago or even five minutes ago? Because you just like know everything. God says if we have true wisdom, not only are we meek in submitting to him, but we're meek in how we deal with others. We don't come across as, well, I showed up on the scene and then I fixed it all. Oh, well, that's, we're glad you're here. Said no one. Like we should be meek with one another. If God has given you wisdom, it's not for us to lord it over. It's not for us to say, now look how smart I am. Look how wise I am. It isn't about that. The whole text that we're looking at today is about relationships. And the work of wisdom in the body of Christ. The whole point is simply that wisdom with others is the overflow of wisdom with God or from God. So if we get godly wisdom, then we should be sharing that with others in a meek way, in a way that is not about me. Because this world is not about me. One of these days, I wish it was sooner, but it's not. One of these days when I get to retire, It ain't about me. 
I want to say, God, I thank you. But it isn't about me. It's about him. I need to continually point my life to him. Right? We all do. Because if it's about you and if it's about me, then we'll do everything we can in the world to say, well, we better keep that old sage around. You know, because heaven forbid that something should happen, we won't know what to do. Wisdom doesn't come from me, it comes from God. And if it comes from him, it's available to every single one of us. As long as we remain humble. It's when we aren't meek that we say, oh, let me, let me tell you, I'm the final authority on this. No, I'm not. God's word is. God's word is the final authority. It has to be. In the same way that meekness is required in receiving wisdom from God, meekness is required in expressing wisdom with other people. We have to be humble. We have to be meek. We have to say, you know what? I'm not here to be the boss. I'm not here to tell you everything that's wrong. I'm here to be a humble servant of God and to tell you this is what God's word says. Arrogant, proud, self-assertive people can never receive wisdom from God. And so can never demonstrate wisdom with others. Hmm. Can they probably get their way? Yes. Can they probably win arguments? Yes. Can they perhaps push their way to the front of the line and lead the pack? Yes. But they will never be wise. Because only the meek can have godly wisdom. Only the meek can have godly wisdom. Only when we humble ourselves, then we understand the source of our wisdom. Your wisdom that you have, if you're in Christ, doesn't come from you. It isn't because you're so good. No, it's not yours at all. If it's godly wisdom, the first word of that phrase should tell us who it comes from and whose it is. It's God's. If it's godly wisdom, then it's God's wisdom. It's not, it's not my wisdom. It's his wisdom. You know, and we live in a world where the enemy of our soul, with everything that there's a positive that God creates, he creates a counterfeit. There is counterfeit wisdom. There is phony wisdom. In James chapter 3, verses 14 to 16, it says, But if you have bitter jealousy, selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, Demonic. Ooh. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. Wow. 
Wow. When James contrasts genuine faith with dead faith, he gave some clear examples of the latter. How do we know when there's no wisdom? Because there's no meekness. There's no humbleness. So when there's no meekness and no humbleness, we know this, it didn't come from God. When it's not done with meekness, when it's not done with humbleness, it isn't God's wisdom. It didn't come from him. James says this is straight from the lesson of demons. It's demonic. It's, it's Bible. I didn't even make it up. That how could people like James describes in these verses even think there's a shred of genuine wisdom in what they're doing? Like, like if you're not using the wisdom of God, how can you think that there's even some wisdom in you? Because it works sometimes. Because sometimes it works. They can get their way. They can make their case. They can change what others do. There's a certain power to earthly wisdom. Professing themselves to be wise, they become fools. Don't lie against the truth. Don't lie against the truth. If your works manifest self-assertiveness and boasting and self-centered ambition, if you have to get your way, if you nurse grudges, if you don't manifest the kind of meekness with others that you will when you stand before Jesus, then stop lying to yourself. There's more to being a wise person than getting the results you want with others. James knows the heart of the listeners. He knows I mature more quickly in being honest with others than I do in being honest with myself. See, James knows that as I grow up, man, I can tell you straight out something. But I don't want you to tell me anything. Oh, you ever meet people like that? Don't put your hands up. Are happy to tell you everything wrong in your life? Say, you know what? You need to work on this. But don't you dare tell me what I need to work on. There's people out there like that, right? Yeah, we've all met them. You say, Pastor, it kind of feels like that this morning. Don't worry, I've been dealing with this all week. There's people out there like that that want to tell you what's wrong with you, but don't you dare tell them anything about themselves. That's why I must be brutally honest with myself. And I must be, begin to expose the false wisdom in my life. And if there's areas of false wisdom, I need to say, 
Mm-mm, you need to go. I don't need this false wisdom. I don't need this phony wisdom. I need the wisdom that comes from God. I need his wisdom in my life. You see, there's a kind of wisdom in, in pride and ambition and power, and some people like that. Like, oh, let me tell you the position I hold. I love it. Let's remind ourselves of the very first words of this book of James. James, a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. James was Jesus' brother. Didn't have to submit himself, but he chose to. He didn't have to humble himself, but right at the beginning, he states the position, James, a servant of the Lord. He recognizes who's Lord. We'll, we need to do the same in our life often. I, I submit myself to him. I submit myself to the Lord. You see, when I operate in my own pride and my own ambition and my own power, oh, it, it seems to work. I can get my way without sacrificing anything for the will of others. And that's very appealing. You see, if I have charisma, if I smile the right way, if I have the right haircut, wear the right clothes, people are like, oh yeah, that's something that I want to see. But I trust that you're not ever drawn to the externals of anyone. But what we would hear is God, exalted, lifted up, proclaimed. Too many come flashy. And God says, I want you just to humble yourself. It's not about your way. It's not about my way. It's about his way. It's not about... It's not about me. Well, I am your pastor, I didn't die for you. Jesus Christ died on the cross for you. He's your Lord. He's your Savior. I have a responsibility, yes, to teach you in the Word of God, to instruct you, but He's your Savior. If you all want God's wisdom, and if I want God's wisdom in my life, it comes with a price tag. I'm telling myself the truth about my own selfish heart. It will mean the same for you. You want wisdom from God? It will come with that price tag of you saying, God, it's not about me. It's, I don't want wisdom so that I can lord over. I want wisdom so that I can share and lift up. That should be how it comes. Meekness is beautiful, but it's very expensive. Where godly wisdom isn't, where godly wisdom isn't, strife and contention is. Genuine wisdom 
Godly wisdom is from above. It knows the difference between personal preferences and genuine biblical principles. How quickly can we lie to our hearts about the absolute nature of our likes and our dislikes? Genuine wisdom can absolutely be poised firmly against sin and still have compassion for the one trapped in sin. You see, with godly wisdom, I can say, God, I, I want to live pure and clean for you, but I can still look at my brother and sister who are in sin and say, you know what? God, I have compassion for them. I don't think, well, I'm better than. I simply look and say, God, give me the compassion that you have for them. I thank you that you have changed me, but I have that meekness that says, God wants to pick you up as well. Genuine wisdom knows enough to look and see if I'm generating more strife and contention in the body of Christ than healing and patience. There's been some weird things happening in the body of Christ over the last number of years. Still happening. Fractions. Christ is coming back for one bride. Yes? One bride. And yet we sit and we say, well, I can't get along with. I can't work with. I can't be part of. Heavenly Father, help us. You see, I chair, if you don't know, I chair the ministerial in our city, and it's like, God help us. God help us to understand that we're part of the body of Christ. And collectively we do so much more than we do apart and fractionally. Let's never become arrogant. Pushing through all of the promptings of the Holy Spirit to our own hearts. Let's not lie against the truth that genuine wisdom is manifested in the works of self-refuting. Christ-patterned meekness. How wisdom works inside my life and on the outside. In James chapter 3, verses 17 to 18, and this point is going to be a lot quicker than the last two. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. This might be the best roadmap for a wisdom-filled life in the whole New Testament. James has been pondering the issue for a while and looking at it from all different angles, and this is the best he can do to sum it up. 
Do you want to know if you're a person that is wise? Do you want to know if you are full of wisdom? And not the wisdom of this world, but the kind that comes down from above, from God himself. Here's what you look for. Meek. Godly wisdom does two things at the same time. One of them is on the inside of me, and the other one is on the outside. On the inside, godly wisdom makes me deathly serious about my own personal holiness and purity. Godly wisdom on the inside says, Daryl, if you claim this, then there should be something changed in you. You can't claim to be wise and be dealing with all kinds of things that are impure and unholy on the inside. You can't be. James stressed this by saying, wisdom from above is, first of all, pure. On the inside, genuine wisdom always errs on the strict side. Never on the easy and appealing side. That's because wisdom's main concern is always purity over popularity. Holiness over inconvenience. Are you a wise person? Are you a wise person? Then you'll be constantly on the lookout for the things that have the greatest potential to damage your life. Even if others seem to engage in them with no immediate consequence, that's what happens on the inside. I will become aware and say, no, I shouldn't be doing that because that will lead to this. Even when everybody else seems to be doing it. Now on the outside, godly wisdom is gentle with others who either don't walk in purity or even share my convictions. Remember the Pharisees in Scripture? They didn't have compassion on those around them. They claimed to be wise, but they really had disdain for the, for the lost and hurting in the world. They claimed that you should look to us, but they couldn't care less about somebody who was struggling. They just had this pious attitude about them. That same attitude can creep into the church today. It doesn't change my own standards with whatever the way the wind blows. But it does mean that I'm tender-hearted, even with those who have messed up their lives, mocking the very standards that I hold dear. Wisdom is tough on my personal impurity and generous with the faults of others. The worship team can come back. James points out one more specific step he knows we all need to take at different, different seasons in our lives. If you want to make the rest of your days on earth good, I, we'd all say yes to that, I hope. 
Do you want to start harvesting God's blessing? Multiplying it the way that seed multiplies when you put it in the soil? James says it's going to take you more than just the prayer of Jabez. We thought that was a magic thing when, that first, when it first came out. It's always been in Scripture, but there was a point in time where we were all hung up on the prayer of Jabez. It's going to take you more than just the prayer of Jabez. It's going to take you more than just a magical prayer. Not the magical prayer. It's going to take you more than just a, a prayer that someone prayed. You want to start harvesting a blessing? Because Jabez prayed that. He said, oh, Lord, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. It's going to take you more than just a prayer. It's going to take for you to do something. Perhaps as a person, or maybe two people or more, with whom you need to make peace, with whom you need to talk to, with whom you need to sit down and say, you know what, I've been holding something and I, I need to deal with it. In verse 18, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Hmm. Oh, it's not so easy, is it? We get to the verse like this, and it's like, I, I don't know if I want to go make peace. See, it's easier to be offended. It's easier to walk around with our scars and our hurts, isn't it? Because we can show them off almost like a medal. It's easier to say, you know what, I was wounded, and let me show you where I hurt. Than it is to say, you know what, I once was hurt, and now let me just show you the scar, because my hurt has been healed. Too easy, we want to just keep showing the open wound time we get some healing. Many of you know the story of my mother and my relationship with her. It was, it was a tough one for a number of years. And I knew this. I knew that I, could, I couldn't preach to you about forgiveness unless I had done the same. Now, did she ever and will she ever come to the place of saying, you know what, I was wrong, I'm sorry? No, ain't going to happen. And that's okay. As a believer in Christ, I'm not holding on to that anymore. My siblings are, but they're not in Christ. And I'm trying to model Christ before them and say, you know what? It's not going to happen. Don't sit there and wait and say, I, I want to just keep showing you the open wound. It's time to get healing. It's time to receive healing. Too many times we want to just show open wounds and God says, I want to heal you of those wounds. I want to touch your life. I want to minister to you. I want you to receive grace and mercy. I want you to 
find newness of life and we're too busy showing our, our open wounds. And God says, let me heal you. Let me touch your life. Let me strengthen you. He said, no, 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 I want to just show the open wounds. God said, I want to heal that wound. That doesn't mean that you were never wounded. That simply means that healing has come. We are living there too much as a church these days, and not just this church, but collectively. Collectively, we want to just say, look, I've been wounded. Why don't we stand up and say, I've been healed. I once was hurt, but now I've been healed in Jesus' name. You see, church, I think we've got a greater testimony than the one we've been sharing. We've been sharing, I've been hurt. Oh, my brother hurt me, my sister hurt me, this season hurt me, the government hurt me. Why don't you say I've been healed in Jesus' name? We're going to live in a world of hurt because that's our world knows what to do. But Christ knows how to heal, doesn't he? And when he heals us, there's nothing better than the healing that he brings. Because he restores us. And he renews us. Oh, I want you to receive healing today. Some of you today have hurts. You don't need to walk around with those hurts anymore. That doesn't mean you were never hurt. That simply means you've been now healed. We've all been hurt. But it's those of us who are brave enough to say, God, I've been hurt, and I want to be healed today. I don't want to keep walking out with my, with my brokenness. I don't want to keep walking out with my wounds. I want to, there could be a scar there because that shows that healing has happened. you need prayer today in your life. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's another area in your life you've been hurt, you've been wounded and God says, I want to heal you. I want to touch you. You don't need to walk around with your hurt, your wounds anymore. That doesn't mean you, they weren't there. That doesn't mean that they weren't real. That simply means that healing has come. God wants to bring healing. And can you imagine the message that we'd share with our world around us if we said, you know what, that's where I was, but I'm here today. Maybe you need to heal a relationship with someone. If you're waiting for them to say sorry, that, don't, don't count on that. Offer grace and forgiveness. Did God wait for you? No. While we were sinners, Christ died on the cross for our sins. God didn't say, well, I hope that they say I'm sorry for my sin, then I'll send my son. No, he sent his son while we were still hated him. I died for your sin and mine. Maybe you have some healing or relationships that need to happen. Would you do that? If you need prayer this morning, we're going to ask you to stand. If you want prayer, I'm going to ask you to come forward. I'm going to have you pray with you and for you. But I hope that you don't leave this place wounded and not healed. 
You would allow God to heal you, to touch your life, to receive his healing and his grace and his mercy that covers over your wounds. That says, I am different than when I came in. You want prayer? Why don't you come? Why don't you stand with us as we sing this chorus together?
Father, we pray that. We pray, Lord, that you would continue to touch lives. Father, would you continue to move? Father, we need, we need you, Lord, in our lives like we've never needed you before. I pray, Lord, that we would not just proclaim that we're wise, but, Lord, we would walk in wisdom. Father, we would show that we have received the wisdom from above by the way in which we conduct ourselves. Would you go with us, Lord? Father, you've placed within us a message to carry. And I pray, Lord, that we would share that with this world around us. We'd share healing. We'd share grace. Forgiveness. That, Lord, we would receive a harvest of blessings. May God strengthen your life someone you need to talk with, I pray that you would talk with them. That you would allow healing to flow. May God bless you and go with you.